Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Kiss my Happy Hanukkah. For a couple of hours out of the whole year, we are the people that we always hoped we would be. When you look at that, it's a fabulous, glorious, it's, 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 it's indescribably beautiful. Oh, Christmas tree, 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 oh, Christmas tree. Tis the season to be merry. Well, that's my name. Tosh. Folks, it is the 30-something movie podcast. It is, I guess we can say it's the Christmas season because we are a couple of days past Christmas at this point. Did you guys have a good Christmas? I had an excellent Christmas. I assume. Well, how about yourself? Yeah, it was pretty good. Everybody was healthy this year for a change. Oh, what was, was nice. the best thing? What was the best thing you guys got for Christmas? Peace and quiet. A liger. Ooh, there you go. I got a liger for Christmas. Yeah, it's, this would be I, I, the of the stuffed variety. I'm assuming. No, no, no. That's why we're trying to determine how we're going to feed it, and you know, it's it's going to be a real drain on the family finances. But you know. We do what we can because we love all of God's creatures, even the horribly mutated ones. The homicidal ones, too? Yeah, yeah. Jeff, what about you? What did you get for Christmas? Well, I got a, you know, I saw it in the store a couple weeks ago. I didn't even know that Lego made this thing, but it's like a, a, I don't know, 16-inch, maybe Chewbacca Lego figure. Oh. Nice. So... Okay. Yeah. Nice. Have you played with your Wookiee yet? I have not. I have not. Okay. Well, tis the season. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't even know. <laughs> Is this where we tell people that we're recording before Christmas and we haven't gotten anything yet? I, I think they probably all know that. Do they? They, if they've been listening and pay attention, they know I'm allergic to ligers. So it's not like I'm going to get one for Chris. That's ridiculous. And I think they're ready for our commitment to the bit. Probably. If At this point, if they're not, they are probably not even listening anymore. So That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the nightmare before Christmas, even though it's coming out after Christmas, because then we'll be now. And you can just count this as like a little extra Christmas present. It's a post boxing diagramming. Day I'm diagramming this timeline right now, and I feel like our timeline has skewed. Yes, we've skewed off into 2023A. 2023A. Hopefully, it's better than 2023. What? What? Well, Who said that? It's, Who said it's, that? Yeah. That's not even funny. But the, the 2020s may have been slightly problematic so far. They they did bring their own own sense of. Definition. Do you and remember whimsy? Do you remember like New Year's Eve of twenty twenty, like twenty nineteen, December thirty first, twenty nineteen, and everybody was doing like roaring twenties parties because they're like, "Hey, it's going to be a great decade." Yeah. 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 We did that. We had like a roaring twenties New Year's Eve party. Yeah. Yeah. About that. Yeah. <laughs> Our family yeah. might be to blame, and I do apologize for that. I'd like to issue an official apology myself and my Liger Reginald 
would like to issue an official apology from the Reed family. And if you anyone has any complaints, they can speak to Reginald. Reginald, the Liger, <laughs> yes. 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 All right. So, the yeah, well, this is Nightmare Before Christmas, and this is our last official 1993 movie because we will have another episode coming out in a few days, a, a bonus episode, if you will, that is Enter the Dragon from 1973. Bonus, excellent. Because Pat asked nicely, so extra. We're, we're throwing that one in there. Um, well, that's because Pat is a nice guy. He is a nice guy. He is a nice guy. So we, we like to reward that niceness, and so we're going to do Enter the Dragon, and that'll come we out. We can all learn something from Pat. We could. I'm not sure what yet, but because I don't know Something if it's about jazz and trumpets. Probably about jazz. Yeah. And and boats. Mm-hmm. Boats. Jazz and boats and jazz and boats and jazz and boats and jazz and but bo- yeah. And boots and cats. Anyway. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know I don't know what's going on here. You know, it's we're all giddy from the eggnog that we had two days ago, right? Oh see, my eggnog was just whiskey. Oh, okay. Yeah, skip the egg, the nog, just go straight to the whiskey. That's you know, I I applaud that choice. Look at that! <laughs> that is a nice full cup you're starting with. Yes, yes, it is. That's just for the first movie. <laughs> yeah, that's the appetizer. <clears throat> well, we are the thirty-something movie podcast. We spoil freely here, so if we start to mention a movie and you don't want to hear about it, maybe just skip ahead ten seconds or so, and we should be done talking about it. Make sure you have visited our website. You can leave a rating, leave a voicemail, become a co-executive producer on Patreon. We've got all kinds of bonus episodes over there. We actually just recently did, what was our one for this month, was Heart and Souls, the Robert Downey Jr. movie. We did that one for this month, and then we had a couple of episodes on Lois and Clark and The Wonder Years. I'm going to mention this here because I mentioned it in the recording for The Wonder Years. How long has it been since you guys watched the final episode of The Wonder Years? Wow. I did a rewatch of this series probably at some point within the last 10 years. Okay. Because, dang, that last, like, 60 seconds. Like, why, Wander Years? Do you just, you want to be an emotional vampire and just drain all emotion from me? Just shooting our shot all right there. Yeah, yeah, if you must have. I'm trying yes. to remember. What what exactly was the last minute? It was kind of the whole voiceover of like where everybody was and that, that spoiler alert, that his dad had passed away and, and just kind right. of his kind of final reminiscing yeah, of was, growing up. And, I wasn't sure if, they, if the revelation of the dad was in that last minute or if they talked about it before then. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It had been a while since I watched it. It was like all I watched. I hadn't even watched the full episode. I just kind of watched the last maybe five minutes or so of it for some reason, and I was like, "Man, that okay? That's how that ended." Room got dusty. Got a little dusty in here. There, you know, there were a number of times when that show seemed to coincidentally coincide with my rooms being dusty. Yes. Yes. And and none more so, and I, I mentioned this in the recording for that one for the Patreon short, I think one of my favorite episodes of that entire series was, I think the title was My Dad's Office. Is that when Kevin goes to work with his dad and sees what his dad goes through? Yes. I don't know why that, I don't know why that hits harder now. Oh, wait. No, I do. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 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 It's the Debbie Downer podcast. Yeah. Womp, so, womp, womp. But no, I, I think that probably is one of my favorite episodes of that whole series. The other tough one I remember watching is when after Winnie moves away and goes to a different school. Yes. And they have the joint field trip to the museum. Mm. And Kevin's so excited because, you know, he gets to spend the day with Winnie. And she ends up breaking up with him at the museum. Yeah. And then he just watches her get on the other bus to go to her new school with her new group of friends. Yeah. It's always a sad moment. Yeah. I love that show. It was a great show. I want to go back and do a rewatch of that one sometime soon. Fred Savage, man. I mean, that as a, as a child actor, he understood things about his role for that show that most young people would not be able to comprehend. He right. just got it. Yeah. It made sense to him. Speaking of making sense, speaking of making let's sense, go ahead and talk about the Nightmare Before Christmas. Nightmare Before Christmas. So this one, we're going to dive on into it. This one came out on October 29th, 1993, rated PG, had a runtime of one hour, 16 minutes. It was a pretty short movie. It's a, well, when you're doing that stop motion stuff, yeah. you got to keep it tight. Keep it, keep it a little brisk. Director for this one was Henry Selleck, who did James and the Giant Peach and Coraline. Writers were Caroline Thompson and Michael McDowell, did Edward Scissorhands, The Corpse Bride, Beetlejuice, and Thinner. Producers were Tim Burton and Denise DeNovi. Batman Returns, Edward Scissorhands was Tim Burton. Edward Scissorhands, or actually same movies, Batman Returns, Edward Scissorhands was Denise DeNovi. Danny Elfman did Batman and Edward Scissorhands. Pete Kozachik did James and the Giant Peach and Coraline as a cinematographer. Editor was Stan Webb, who also did James and the Giant Peach and Monkey Bone. Production company was Touchstone. Uh, budget was approximately $18 million. Box office was $91.5 million. Flick Metrics gives it an 81% cinema score, gives it a B+. Uh, Chris yeah, Sarandon, B plus. Yeah, Chris Sarandon played the voice of Jack Skellington. He was in The Princess Bride and Fright Night. Danny Elfman did the singing voice of Jack Skellington, as well as Beryl and the clown with the tearaway face. He, was, he did Forbidden Zone and was the composer for Goodwill Hunting. Catherine O'Hara played Sally and Shock. She was in Beetlejuice and Home Alone. William Hickey, who died in 1997, played Dr. Finkelstein. He was in Prizzy's Honor and The Name of the Rose. Glenn Shaddix, who died in 2010, played the mayor. He was in Beetlejuice and Demolition Man. Paul Rubens was Locke. He was in Pee-wee's Big Adventure and Blow. Ken Page was Oogie Boogie. He was in Dream Girls and All Dogs Go to Heaven. Ed Ivory was Santa Claus. He was in Trading Places and Fresh. Susan McBride was in Big Witch and WWD. Um... Oh, no, I'm sorry, that was character's name, Big Witch and WWD, and she was in Mars Attacks and Batman Returns. Debbie Durst was Corpse Kid and Corpse Mom. What's that? I'm just laughing at the mistake you no, made. That's, that's fine. Uh, Corpse Kid and Corpse Mom. She was in Monkey Bone and Who's That Girl? Greg Proops was the Harlequin Demon and Devil. He was in Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace and Brother Bear. And Carrie Katz was the Man Under the Stairs, the Vampire, and Corpse Dad. He was in Total Recall and Apollo 13 couple of trivia things that I've got here. So Tim Burton, I actually wanted to go try to find this somewhere, and I, I had not found it just yet, but Tim Burton was inspired to write the original poem that this was based off of after seeing a Halloween display get replaced by Christmas decorations in a store, and that kind of sparked the idea of him mixing Halloween and Christmas themes. And I believe what I read was he wrote that poem all the way back in the very early 80s, either 81 or 82, and it took about 10 years or so for this to get developed into the movie that it became. 
Surely there were no writing utensils way back then. Right. I mean, as far back as uh, basically people were still knocking stones together. So, have you have you seen the the picture of the email that's going around from a college professor? He had a student email him, and it, along the lines of something like, "I was doing research for the paper or the project, and I came across an article from the late 1900s. I don't know if that's uh, if that's too old of an article to use." Yeah. Can I use that as a resource or is it too old? Yeah. 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 The late 1900s is how the 90s are being referenced now. Yes. The late mm, 1900s. Hell. Yes. Well, anyway. all of us were born in the late 1900s, so we are ancient. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Supposedly, the original introduction for the movie heard on the soundtrack was narrated by Patrick Stewart. So I have not listened to that. Do you, has anybody listened to the soundtrack? Yeah, I oh, have it. Okay, is that Patrick? Is Patrick Stewart the one that does the narration? I'm fairly certain. I know that the the narration has gone through different permutations. I'm trying to think. I want to say Vincent Price at one point did their narration, and I have no idea why I want to say that. Vincent Price would make a lot of sense, though. Vincent Price was originally cast as Santa Claus. Interesting in this movie, but his wife got sick. Or actually, no, I'm sorry, his wife died, and he had to drop out of the movie. That's too bad. A Vincent Price would make sense, though. I mean, that'd be perfect voice for narration on this movie. Well, yeah, no, it's, that was uh, uh, that, that would be interesting to hear yeah. Patrick Stewart's. Let's steal Christmas. Make it so. Let's see. It took. Around 100 people, three years to complete the movie with up to 12 stop motion moves for each second of film. That's what kind of always amazes me about the stop motion stuff is just how long and how just detailed everything has to be about these. Just whenever you watch yeah, any I mean, of those like behind the scenes stuff on a stop motion film. The, the amount of patience that one needs to have. I am not one that has that type of patience. I will tell you that. It's one of about 200 reasons why I haven't made a stop-motion full-length film. Yeah, I think I did like a six-minute one in eighth grade with my Star War, Star Trek action figures, and that yeah. was enough. Yeah. At some point, I'd like to hear the other 199 reasons that you have not yet accomplished this. Huh? They're all different versions of I don't have the patience for it. Mm-hmm. Except for that one, which I'll never tell. Number number sixty two. I'll never tell. Fine with me. Yeah. Yeah. I stopped um, caring. Okay. Let's see. The oh, one of the reasons that Chris Sarandon was cast in this was because when they did some tests for the voice, they found that his voice was as close as they could get to Danny Elfman's singing voice. For Jack hmm. Skellington, so they found that the two of them had a good matchup voice-wise. I'd so, agree with that. It, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty seamless. Like, you can't really tell much of a difference between the two of them. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it's very well... I don't know if they ended up doing any blending or anything to help sell that, but, I mean, it's not too discernible. Yeah. Yeah. And the only other thing that I had here, unless you guys have something else, was that I guess in the original ending, 
it was going to be revealed that Oogie Boogie was Dr. Finkelstein in disguise. Hmm. But Tim Burton I'm glad they didn't do that. Tim Burton was not a fan, so. Yeah, that would have yeah. been a little weird. It seems unnecessary. Mm-hmm. All right. In a world where holidays collide, Jack Skellington, the Pumpkin King, stumbles upon Christmas Town. Enchanted, he plots to bring Yuletide cheer to Halloween Town with the help of Sally, his stitched together admirer. The mischievous trio, Lock, Shock, and Barrel, and Oogie Boogie, the sinister boogeyman. Can Jack save Christmas from his spooky spin? Welcome to an extraordinary world filled with magic and wonder. Open your mind and let yourself go to a place where every day is Halloween and every night Jack Skellington I am the Pumpkin King! dreams of something different. What is this? It's someplace new. Jack, look out! What's this? What's this? There's color everywhere. What's this? There's white things in the air. What's this? I can't believe my eyes. I must be dreaming. Wake up, Jack. This is What is this? Haven't you heard of peace on Earth and goodwill toward men? <laughs> Touchstone Pictures presents the enchanting story of two very special dreamers and the holiday spirit that brought them together. From the imagination of Tim Burton comes The Nightmare Before Christmas. And what did Santa bring you, honey? All right, 10 major moments to kind of give you a quick overview of the plot of this one. Number one, Jack Skellington, the Pumpkin King of Halloween Town, is bored with the same old Halloween routine and longs for something new. And there are kind of songs that match up with these different scenes in the movie. Jack's Lament is kind of early on. While walking in the woods, Jack discovers a portal to Christmas Town and is enamored by the joy and brightness of that holiday, which is then followed by the What's This song when he ends up in Christmas Town. An excited Jack returns to Halloween Town to share his discovery of Christmas, but the citizens struggle to understand the concept of Christmas. Jack becomes obsessed. Strangely enough, there is the song Jack's Obsession. He becomes obsessed with his understanding of Christmas. He conducts some experiments, but kind of fails to grasp the true meaning of the holiday. He decides to take over Christmas, and Jack assigns the residents of Halloween Town various Christmas-related tasks, including making presents and a sleigh, and doesn't quite work out as expected kidnapping santa claus jack instructs lock shock and barrel to kidnap santa claus or sandy claus but they end up delivering him to the villainous oogie boogie instead of keeping him safe as jack had requested jack tries to deliver presents to the human world but they end up terrifying all of the children and families leading to jack being shot down by military forces Surviving that attack, Jack realizes his mistake and reignites his love for Halloween. He decides to rescue Santa, fix the chaos that he caused. Jack returns to Halloween Town, rescues Santa, and Sally from Oogie Boogie defeats Oogie Boogie by unraveling his thread, causing him to fall apart in all of his buggy glory. And then finally, Santa restores Christmas by delivering the proper gifts. Jack and Sally confess their love for each other, and snow falls in Halloween Town, symbolizing a newfound understanding and appreciation for Christmas. 
Before we get into the deep thoughts part of things, do you guys have a favorite song from this movie? Like of all the different songs that feature, do you have a favorite? Mm. It's a good question. I like the What's This song. I was going to say, yeah. it's either What's This or just the opening, This Is Halloween. Like, that's the one that runs through my head more often than not. We've got a, just up the block here, there's a, just up the block, there's a house that has a big Jack Skellington outside. I mean, this thing must be 12 feet tall. It's huge. Oh, really? And every time I drive by, that's the song that pops into my head. Yeah, I I like what's this. I like this is this is Halloween. I'm trying to think of the name of, of uh, can't think of the name of it. When Jack is working up in up in his tower, something's mm-hmm. up with Jack. Something's up with Jack. Mm-hmm. Is it like that one? It's not poor Jack. <laughs> I don't think it's poor Jack. No. It's not the obsession know. one. Might be. Could be. Yeah. Oogie Boogie song is kind of fun too. <laughs> you just like saying Oogie Boogie. I do. That's true. I'm I'm going to mention my small children just so Jason Colvin can mark it off on his bingo oh, yeah, card. The, the bingo board. They, Oogie they, and Boogie. They've really gotten into their favorite song is This Is Halloween. Okay. And at the end of the song, the characters in the movies in the movie put their arms up in the air and wave them back and forth as they sing la 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 la. So my kids started doing that anytime we watched the movie. And my my middle son Mikey, as soon as the song starts, his hands go up in the air, and he holds them up in the air for the three and a half minutes until that part of the song comes on. And then he starts waving his hands back and forth and he's just waving his hands in the air. Like he just doesn't care. He's not, he's just holding them straight up. Oh, until they start. (laughs) That's even better. Until they start waving their arms back and forth in the movie. He just holds his arms straight up. In fact, when we, when I took him to see this in the theater a couple weeks ago, as soon as the movie started, he had his hands up in the air and he just sat in the movie theater with his arms (laughs) straight up. Until that part of the song came on. Well, he's, he was ready for the roller coaster. He, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I also have this soundtrack. It, um, it's called Nightmare Revisited. Yeah. In which they, it's a collection of covers of all the songs. Um, this is Halloween is sung by Marilyn Manson. Oh, wow. Oh, it is cool. out, It is outstanding. The whole album is great, yeah. but That's Marilyn Manson cool. doing uh, This Is Halloween is just awesome. Oh, what's it called again? Nightmare Revisited. All right. I have to go check that out. Yeah. If you're, if you're a fan of the music of this, of this movie and you're not too stuck on the fact that it, it can't be any other way, like it is a fun listen. Very nice. All right. Let's go into some of our deeper thoughts here. And now, deep thoughts. I have an opinion on this matter. Don't mince words, Bones. What do you really think? I like it a lot. Wow. It's, It's very deep. Thank you. 
So I'm going to make the assumption so far, based on what we've mentioned, that we all like this movie. Would that be a pretty yeah. safe assumption? Yeah, I think okay. it's a pretty safe bet. Okay, all right. Do you remember the first time you saw it? I did not see it when it came out. Okay. <clears throat> In fact, I like I knew of it, but I was not really into this movie at all until when I was in college, there, a girl I was dating at the time was really into the movie. So that's kind of what got me to pay closer attention to the movie. And then I, I, I appreciated it because that's also when I started to really get into just paying attention to movies in general. So I was started to appreciate it for what it was in terms of a, a full length stop motion movie that was just so incredibly well done. Music was great. Story was really interesting, really intriguing. You know, brought up a lot of interesting questions to consider about the holidays and the commercialism of such holidays. So, yeah, wasn't really until, mm, let's say, six or seven years after the movie came out that I that I really started to notice this movie. Yeah. I th- well, we we oh, saw it John, in the theater... Somebody- I we saw it in the theater when it came out. I don't remember. I remember really enjoying it because I always enjoyed kind of the the Tim Burton aesthetic. So I remember really enjoying it. I would say this is probably this might be one of the last. No, I take that back. There'd be some other ones. I would say this is probably one of the last times that I went to go see a stop motion animation movie in the theater. Unless I was seeking something out later, I feel like. Later movies that came around, I was like, eh, that's that's for kids. But I have to take that back because I realized that Chicken Run came out in 2000. And I, I absolutely know for a fact we came, we went and saw that in the theater. Did you not go see Coraline in the theater? I did not see Coraline in the theater. No. Okay. I saw it twice in the same day in the theater. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. No, we had read the book. That was on one of our trips back and forth from college back home. Sharon was in her, actually she was taking a class on children's literature for librarians and she had a bunch of children's books that she had to read and we were way behind so she was driving and I was reading and we read the entire book of Coraline I think on that drive. So we'd read the book but actually I, I don't know that I've ever seen the movie. Wow, okay. So that, Interesting. Might, that might be one that has to go on my list. <clears throat> you know what other one I have also not seen that I feel like I probably should have seen is I never saw Corpse Bride. You know, I never saw that one either. Okay. Wow, I'm kind of surprised by that. Yeah. I, I feel like it when looks I saw, good. Yeah, it looks good. I feel like when I saw the previews of it, in my brain I just kept thinking, oh, yeah, that's like Nightmare Before Christmas. I don't know that I really mm-hmm. need to see that again. Mm-hmm. And I don't, yeah, it's everything else about it. I mean, it's still Tim Burton, but still has his kind of gothic style to things. So I, I don't know why I wouldn't have watched it, but that one I have still never seen. Let me ask you this question then, because we've kind of we've kind of agreed that we that we enjoy this movie. In terms of the stop motion style. Is that one that you find yourself being drawn to, or would you only really watch a stop motion movie if you're like, oh yeah, I know that director? They're like, oh, it's a Tim Burton one. I love Nightmare Before Christmas. I'll watch a Tim Burton stop motion. Or do you find that stop motion animation is something that you're drawn to no matter what? I think for me, it's more Tim Burton. I don't think stop motion 
draws me to it. But that being said, all the ones we've mentioned I've seen except Corpse Bride. So maybe I am and I just don't acknowledge it. Yeah. I don't know if I'm... I don't know if I'd say I'm drawn to stop motion. I, I don't have anything against stop motion, but I don't think if I see a new or a trailer for a new stop motion movie, I don't think it's it's stop motion. I have to go see it. I think there's other things that I would find that would have to compel me more to want to go see it. Other than the fact that it's a stop motion movie. I have a lot of respect for stop motion movies yeah, and those that make them because my God, as we, as we mentioned, the amount of patience that it must take to, to put together stop motion movies, a level of patience I will never ever achieve in my life. But yeah, I don't think it's one that I'm, or uh, a form of movie that I feel the need to go see just because it's just because it's stop motion. Yeah. I will say there have been a couple of movies that if they hadn't been stop motion, I probably would have passed them by because I probably would have just, would have just been like, eh, it's okay. It's traditional animation. And I don't know the story. I don't know the characters. I don't know any of the properties that this is dealing with. So, all right. But the fact that it was stop motion, there were at least there was at least one movie I can recall that if you guys haven't seen this, I would highly recommend. I did find it's actually on Tubi right now, so you can watch it for free. Have either of you guys seen Kubo and the Two Strings? Heard of, heard of it? it. I, yeah, I, I don't know if I ever it. got around to seeing it. Okay, I really, really enjoyed that one. That one was a good one. Yeah, it was kind of a it, it was an American movie, but it was. There was a lot of, it's kind of set in feudal Japan, and it's got a lot of kind of Japanese folklore about it. Came out in 2016. 16, yeah. If you need any more convincing, Charlize Theron is one of the voices. Ralph Fiennes is one of the voices. George Takai and Matthew McConaughey. Oh, my. Oh, my. You've got the oh, my right next to the all right, all right, all right. It's an explosive combination. You said it's on Tubi? It is on Tubi, yeah. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, so you can can catch it for free on there. But yeah, I I really enjoyed that one. Well, it's on the Roku channel as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For those of you that have Roku. Yes. So you have some options. So I will ask you this, Jeff, because actually my kids have not seen this movie yet. I did not watch this one with them recently and and only because everybody had different things going on, whether it was basketball games or work or whatever. So I only had time to just watch it myself. You took your kids to go see this in the theater. Do you feel Mm -hmm. like, given given that some of this can come across as a little spooky because it is mixing the Halloween with the Christmas, do you feel like there's an age at which it would be too scary? For little kids. Did any of your boys react to any of the spookier parts? They didn't. But we'd also watched it at home numerous times and have had a chance to talk through a lot of the spooky stuff while being at home. Okay. So I guess going into it, I knew that there was that, that element of the movie that I was prepared to deal with while we watched it at home. And I mean, it was, we didn't watch it at home just because we were going to go see it in the, in the theater yeah. that just sort of happened to be a, a, uh, a coincidence for us. But 
I mean, my four-year-old is fine with it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think as long as, I mean, as long as you have the conversation, you 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 prep a kid a little bit, and just let them know there's going to be some stuff that might be spooky, but you know, it's all pretend. It's not. It's just, it's just a story. Yeah, I don't think there's. The other thing to consider is how old should they be before they start to understand what's happening, mm-hmm. right? You got to find that balance too. Like, am I going to show it to my three-year-old and, and expect a, when, when Mikey was three, I didn't show it to him. It was on, but he didn't pay much attention to it. Yeah. I didn't try to get him to pay attention to it other than listening to some of the songs because he's not going to get the movie. And I don't know how much he got it for, but he got a lot more out of it at four than he ever would have at three. My five and a half year old is telling me he's breaking down the plot for me as we're watching it. So he's definitely <laughs> under, he's definitely understanding what's going on. Well, cause he's a podcaster. He is. Yeah. He, he, also, he wants you guys to come back over so he can podcast again. Oh, okay. Okay. Good deal. So he told me that tonight oh, Okay. when I told oh. him I had to set up for the podcast. He wants to know if everyone was coming over or if it was just going to be a computer one. Oh, okay. All right. We'll have to come over again soon. Or you can get him his own little podcasting setup for Christmas. Well, there we go. Or you could, would love that. You could have already gotten him his own podcasting setup for Christmas. How, how did he enjoy the Roadcaster Pro that you got him for Christmas? The the it, it was it went over gangbusters. Oh, awesome! That's great. That's great. I'm glad you were able to find it on sale too. I don't know. I, I found it was the last one on the shelf. Wow, that's great. And I had to I, I had to beat somebody up to get it. That's great. That's great. I heard that guy died. That's what that's what the holidays are all about. Like you, you shoved a trident in his chest. That was kind of awkward. You might yeah. want to you might want to lay low for a bit. That's no fun. I stabbed a guy in the heart. <laughs> yeah. That and Dorothy Mantooth is a saint. I don't know what, I don't care what you guys say. So you mentioned earlier, kind of one of the themes of this movie is addressing some of the, maybe some of the commercialization of Christmas. I mean, some of the other themes are a sense of belonging and purpose and things like that. When you watch this movie, and and it sounds like most of us have watched this, I, I watched it as a kid, and but we've also watched this again as adults. What theme of the movie kind of comes across most to you? Like when you've watched it this time, let's say most recently for the for the podcast, what is the theme that kind of comes across most predominantly to you? What's it about? Probably recognizing recon, recognizing and appreciating your gifts slash strengths. Speaking of gift, ladies and gentlemen, Patrick Cantigallo is Joining us. The the gift that always keeps giving. He's muted. Yeah. But it's okay. That's all right. He he looks good. That's all that matters. Hi guys. I'm here. Sorry. The I'm on the work internet, so sometimes it's John, I'm just kidding. It's always stellar. I don't do anything with the internet, so you can say whatever you want. It's oh. being monitored, is what it's being. Yeah, exactly. It's being monitored. Hi guys. Hi, Pat. We were just referring to you as the human jelly of the month club, the gift that gives all year round. 
Clark, that's the gift that just keeps on giving. That it is, Edward. That it is. How are you doing, Pat? Uh, guys, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Just had a had a little concert tonight. Kids did great. Nice. So we'll we'll put you on the spot here. The question that I just asked was in terms of the theme of this movie. When yeah. you when you watch this as an adult, what is yeah. the theme of this movie that stands out most to you? Like what's what's the point of this movie? What's the message it's trying to get across? Boy, that's a that's a heck of, that's a good question. You know, it's funny. I didn't We're talking see Nightmare Before Christmas, by the way. Right, 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 right. I didn't see this movie as a kid, so I've only seen this as an adult. That's a really good question. And here's the thing. I'm I always forget, like the couple handful times I've seen it, I always forget that Jack, right? Yeah. Jack Skellington. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I always forget that he's kind of like the devious. He's a little devious. Right. And then I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like, well, why am I surprised and all that? I, I don't know. Is it, is it kind of the whole bloom where you're planted? You know, don't be, don't be jealous of what's, what's grass is always greener kind of thing. Don't go chasing and, waterfalls. Don't go chasing waterfalls. Yeah. Cause at first, at first I thought, and I always get, it's kind of a bait and switch. I always get like, this is what it's going to be. He's going to explore Christmas town and he's going to explore, but then it ends up, he kidnaps Santa. So it's got like a little bit of a kind of talker and I'm going to bring this back to Halloween town or whatever it is. But I think that's the message is just, do I have that right? I don't know. I don't know. That's okay. You're putting me on the spot. That's what I'm saying. What's, what's the correct answer? What, what's the deal? Well, Bo has the correct answer. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, what's what's the answer? Wow. Okay. I think it's you. I think it's a theme of growth. Like you try all these things and then you figure out what you want out of life and then how to be happy and content with it. He tries some stuff. He's like, oh, maybe I want to be Santa Claus. Maybe I don't want to be Santa Claus. It doesn't work for me. You know, that sort of thing. So it's the exploration and then sort of finding your path. That was the most insanely idiotic thing we've ever heard. At no point in your incoherent (laughs) rambling response were you even anything close to a rational thought. May God have mercy on your soul. So so are you saying it's like, allegorical for college yes I, yeah i think i did yeah. yeah nightmare before christmas is an allegory for college he experimented and <laughs> it didn't go the way he expected did i use allegorical correctly english teachers i believe you did okay but i'm not yeah. the english teacher so well then yeah. i'll go with your answer <laughs> we'll we'll let it slide yeah cool you know, that's, Bo, that's a really good point. Cause, cause honestly, yeah, it's, it's cause, uh, you know, he did kidnap Santa, but he wasn't trying to do Santa harm. He just wanted to take over. And then yeah, they he, wanted, to, he told the guys to protect him. Those guys are idiots. Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. So maybe that's a theme. If you want something done right, do it yourself. Well, there's a theme. There, there's a theme. There's a theme. What a, I, and I'm just going to say, speaking of themes, I love that this is a musical. Wait, Jeff, this is a musical, right? This is a musical. Okay, good. I'm just, I'm just making sure. 
I'm I'm totally glad that this is a musical. I'm glad that this is a musical. What am I saying? I'm totally psyched that this is a musical, and I just love the Danny Elfman score. And I just love picking up the hints of, oh, that's what he used in Batman. And oh, that's one of his go-to chord progressions. And wow, this, you know, that it just, I really liked Danny Elfman's music. So that, that was, that was a wonderful treat in this. Yeah, that Danny Elfman guy, he's okay. And I apologize if the earlier section of the pod that you had a discussion of the Danny Elfman, I don't want to be repetitive. No, but I was going to ask you, do you have a favorite song out of all the songs in the movie? Shoot. We did go through, um, we did go through that earlier, so I was gonna ask you that. I'll have to call the love line because as I was listening, I'm like, hmm, this one's good and this one's good. And I, like I really like there. I like what you did there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let me you know what? Let me call the love line. I should have been more prepared. Oh, that's fine. I should have been more prepared. My lack of my lack of preparedness is disturbing. No, that's fine. That's fine. What is your favorite, and this is this is for everybody, what is your favorite moment where the denizens of Halloween Town get part of Christmas wrong? Like, what to you is the funniest or most intriguing moment where they get something very wrong? Mm-hmm. Well, probably the whole song of Making Christmas. Yeah, that's a good one. Like, like you, you see them attempting to do what Jack has asked them to do, but they are just, they're still trying to Halloween it too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, of course, that song also gives us the, um, the DSE Ray. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. As the premonition of this is a bad idea. Yep. So between that and the little Christmas tree that Sally holds that goes up in flames, <laughs> <laughs> people are not paying attention to the signs. Yeah. I do enjoy when they try to prepare some Christmas presents. You know, the the toys are somewhat twisted and presents that will contain things like shrunken heads or other yes halloween centric interpretations of everything i mean very much some of that was very much a what's in the box kind of moment yeah that was good and the look on the kid's face when he pulls it out and freaks the parents is just priceless yeah i feel like this movie fit very well with my adolescent twisted sense of humor well For me, it goes right in line with like, I guess you could say basically a lot of Danny Elfman stuff, Wednesday, Beetlejuice. I mean, the whole Adams family thing where it's creepy and, you know, off, but it's like, uh, it's not mean. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? It's not mean spirited. You said Danny Elfman, you mean Tim Burton? I mean Tim Burton. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But Tim, Danny, Bert Elfman. It's, it's yes. So fine. Sally, Jesse, Raphael. Raphael. Mm-hmm. But I mean, but, but that's, and again, that's what makes that Danny Elfman uh, collaboration so awesome is that that I think is really reflected in the music too. You know, there's nothing mean about the music, but it definitely gets like the creep factor and the, all of, all of that. 
in there. But no, I did indeed mean converted. Is there another tree when they get to that little circle of trees uh, and they have all the different holidays to kind of choose from? Is there another tree that you would have loved to watch Jack walk through and have him interact with another holiday? Oh, Valentine's Day. <laughs> mm-hmm. The 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 potential for the 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 confusion we were just talking about getting Christmas wrong, the potential for Valentine's Day to be wronged is so high. <laughs> I would, I would, I'll, I would say Valentine's day only because love is a theme explored a little bit because of he and Sally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I wouldn't mind seeing his reaction to Thanksgiving and turkeys being mm-hmm. slaughtered for the consumption of people. Oh, I feel like he, he'd either be very perplexed or very much enjoy that. Mm-hmm. That's solid. Not quite sure which way he would go with that. I will try some of your burned, replicated bird meat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> good, good call. Yeah. Good call. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to, I think Valentine's would be a good one. I think that would be a good one. I, I'm trying to think of others like. St. Patrick's Day, Jack St. getting St. drunk. Oh, that's true. That'd be a good one. Jack trying to, well, depending on what kind of leprechaun you have, Jack and the leprechaun could be best buds. That's true. If it's, you know, if it's leprechaun from the leprechaun, the movie. Yeah. yeah. Those two will have some fun. Yeah. Well, there's a crossover I didn't know I needed until right now. Yeah, they, <laughs> I, I got to be the really Danny, honest the with Chris, you. Chris Sarandon, Warwick Davis crossover movie. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. I got to be really honest with you. I would, I would just love to see the take on the different holidays. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I would love to see like a full-on Tim Burton Christmas movie, like the way they displayed Santa Claus, and uh, yeah, it just, it just the whole thing of the movie. It was just very cool, and I, I just would love to see what his take would be on each one of those holidays. Yeah. Okay, now the image you've got stuck in my head is that Jack walked into St. Patrick's Day town, and every time he says, what's this, what's this, he's taking a shot. <laughs> so, so by the end of the song, it's more like a, what's this, what's it, what's, what's this, what's this? What's this? You want to know what, I'll tell you what I'll, this is. I'll tell I'll, you. Sh- I'm talking, sh- sh- I'm trying to tell you what this is. So we've got this guy. His name's Oogie Boogie, okay? You guys are gonna, you guys are gonna love Oogie Boogie. He's full of bugs. All right. He's the Oogie Boogieest. Yeah. Okay, that's the movie I want to see now. <laughs> but you don't have the patience for stop motion. Well, I, for that I might. Hey man, he's the Oogie Boogieest. A supply of patience and scotch, I might. So I have a question for yes. you guys. Go for it. Does anybody else, this is my, I think my one bump with the storyline of the movie mm-hmm. is I feel like the Jack and Sally thing at the end was almost kind of out of nowhere mm-hmm. from Jack's perspective, right? Like, you know, that Sally has a thing for, for Jack all throughout the from, movie. Yeah. From just, just the jump. Like, yeah. Just the way that she responds when Jack comes to Dr. Finkelstein's 
or just anytime they mention Jack, you know, she has the doe eyes. She's, you know, she gives him food and drink while he's secluded himself up in his, his workshop. Like she's got a thing for him. And I feel like the end when all of a sudden Jack is going after her and he sings to her. I just, I'm like, what, where did, is she the consolation? Like Christmas didn't go the way you wanted. So now you're just going to settle for your Sally relationship. That, exactly the same for me. Like I have, I hadn't watched this movie since I was probably uh, fifteen or sixteen years old. So it's been a minute, mm-hmm. and that was the part of the movie. As I'm watching it, I'm thinking, yeah, that kind of came out of nowhere. Like I don't really see where there was any other evidence supporting that he loved her or that he was all that interested in her. She just happened to kind of, I don't know, be there, and they really didn't do much to build up to that well and the, and the lyrics of that song he says my dearest friend yeah. if you don't mind like that really Are that's you? he he considers her his dearest friend like i don't discredit the fact that he is friends with her yeah. i mean at least acquaintances but i feel like he's got more of a camaraderie connection friendship with the mayor right mm-hmm. or even dr finkelstein yeah for that matter, there's more of a background there. So I just, I, I just feel like the, the fact that it's a very sweet moment when the two of them end up together at the end of the movie. It's very seemingly very genuine, but I, in the back of my mind, I'm just like, where, where did that come from? You, you, yeah. you weren't focused on her at all during the movie. That's what I said. Like, your Christmas plan fell apart, so she's just like the consolation. She's Plan B. Like, oh, well, plan A didn't work out, so now I'm just going to go hang out with Sally for a while. Yeah. That was before before I started watching this last week for the podcast. That was what was going through my mind was, oh, yeah, this is the, this is the Nightmare Before Christmas. It's the Tim Burton stop-motion Christmas Halloween mashup movie, and it's got the love story between Jack and Sally. And, and that was like the the second or third thought in my mind about this movie was, oh, yeah, it's the little love story between Jack and Sally. And then I'm watching it. And I'm like, all right, waiting for the love story. Waiting for the love story. So I, maybe there was a, maybe Henry Selleck also had not as much patience to finish filming a couple of scenes that, you know, built up to some kind of a love story between the two of them. But well, I mean, yeah, in, in my head, there... there was much more of a love story there than there really ended up being. Well, aren't they both on the movie poster? Like, yeah. they even sort of play that up a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, there's not much to it. Unless you count her uh, hero worship almost at the beginning. I feel like any other depiction I've ever seen of them, whether it's in artwork, whether it's people that cosplay as Jack and Sally at comic book shows, I feel like they've got this whole star-crossed lovers thing that is not really in the movie. Is there like a direct-to-video sequel where they go into this that I've missed? I mean, I you know there is a a follow-up book Mm. that I saw at our book fair this past fall, so I bought a copy of it. Oh, okay. Haven't had a chance to read it yet, but I I was intrigued enough. I mean, I I I I love the Nightmare Before Christmas, so it doesn't. This whole thing doesn't detract from the movie for me. Yeah, I'm interested to see what what is going on in the sequel, but 
or in this novel at least. But I mean, the Jack and Sally thing is, it's the definition of the movie Yeah. now, right? It, it's, it's how people think of the movie, Jack and Sally, Jack. I mean, they're, the characters are a huge draw and the limited time that they show up at the Disney parks. Yeah. The lines to meet Jack and Sally are hours long. If you've never seen video of the nightmare before Christmas haunted mansion overlay at Disneyland park in California, it's amazing what they do and how they transform that ride into a nightmare before Christmas themed attraction. Mm. Hmm. You can find ride video of that on YouTube. Um, That's something that's on our list. We'd we'd love to go see. We'd love to, we'd love to be there for that and and see that in person um, on a future Disney trip. But it's, it's become, it's become a huge thing, right? And are you guys familiar with the, the history of it at all? I'm, I'm not. No, not so much. when the movie came out, it did not garner much success, but it did create a sort of cult following. And that's kind of what got it to be a, some more attention. And then you saw it be represented by, for lack of a better term, gothic minded people. You saw merchandise show up, but it stores like, uh, hot topic mm-hmm. right off the beaten path, but it started to gain more and more attention because it started to gain more and more attention. Disney who owned uh, the production uh, company subsidiary that produced this movie. Disney finally put their name on the movie after it started to get a bunch more success. That greedy mouse. Yeah, so they Disney left their name off of the movie for a while until it started to just make them more money. And then they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, this was ours. We own this. This this is ours. We own the properties. And that's what has led to things like the Haunted Mansion Nightmare Before Christmas overlay. And, you know, there's, I guess, just this holiday season, there's a... Nightmare Before Christmas stage show, okay. which features like a, I would say it's like a nine, nine foot Jack Skellington puppet. Oh, wow. Which the brief video clips that I've seen, it looks amazing. I, I'm going to, at some point, sit down and watch the whole thing. Um, but it Disney's definitely capitalizing on this thing now, as they have been for quite a while. Again, once it started to get its, get its backing and its fandom grew. So it's no longer just the goth thing that it, it started out as in terms of fandom. But because of that, it's been able to stick around and become a more notable part of holiday seasons. Yeah, well, that's cool. That's really cool. Well, is there anything, before we go to our three questions, is there anything else we want to say about Nightmare Before Christmas? Love the mayor with the two face thing going on. Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, talk about yeah. commentary, yeah. <laughs> right? Like, 
it was always what he was always one of my favorite characters. Just that, yeah. that sense of humor works for me. Well, and he's, he's also got that one line, you know, I'm just an elected official. I can't make decisions, <laughs> I can't make decisions, by, decisions myself. by myself. I love it every time. <laughs> I mean, it's, there's a lot of that going on in this movie. Yeah. A lot of social commentary, political, almost political commentary. Yeah. It's a, it's a great movie. It's a fun movie. It is. You know, and, and I, li- I like that it offers each viewer to interpret it in their own way. Like there's, there's really no one set way to absolutely interpret this movie. You can think of it and draw out your own conclusions from it because it doesn't really tell you what you need to know. It's offering ideas that allow you to play around with it and wrestle the idea. What is this connection between Halloween and Christmas? Are the lines being that blurred at this point? Have we blurred the lines between Halloween and Christmas? That's where Thanksgiving comes in. Thanksgiving's pissed because we go right from right. Halloween to Christmas. Right. That's <laughs> that's always my argument. I, or Thanksgiving needs to needs to get us due. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I would assume that, like you mentioned, that's kind of where Tim Burton started with the poem was seeing how quickly that changeover went from Halloween to Christmas in the stores and how much that hasn't changed. Right. I mean, really, it, it's quite the opposite, right? It's almost gotten worse. Right. I think so. You know, Christmas decorations are going up at Costco for sale like end of september like october 15th they, they start there they already have christmas trees for sale mid-fall yeah like what does it mean i don't know mm-hmm. what does it mean what does, <laughs> what it, does mean? it mean man it means rewenge <laughs> <laughs> thank you <Yeah. sighs> all right it's time for three questions okay he asks each traveler five questions. Three questions. Three questions. It's impossible to answer. Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. All right. I need a soundboard for my classroom just so I can play that clip. <laughs> okay. As we've been, as we've been you analyzing. You think they get it, though? As we've been analyzing A Christmas Carol. Yeah. And the kids are, like, trying to offer their responses of some of the deeper meanings behind some of it. I just want to be like, Oh, where's the button? <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> I bet you That's could. That's the other one, the, the clip from West Wing. No, no, you're wrong. So just sit there and you're wrong. You're wrong. It's wrong. You're wrong. You get used to it. Yep. You could make, I, I bet you could make your own little soundboard. on your, All you need is a playlist on your computer and then just you know, click on the audio that you need when the moment rises. So it's kind of like the, the notes app that I used to keep a link to all the YouTube videos that were my comment for everything. 
Mm-hmm. And it was just mm-hmm. a, a running list of probably about 30 or 40 different YouTube videos that at any point in time, if I wanted to make some kind of movie or TV show related comment on a situation, I would just, I'd, I'd click on that link and that's exactly what I needed. So I feel like I need some professional development to put this together. I can, I can help here's, you with that. Here's my question. Here's my question. I, 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 how do you get it so when you send one, it doesn't have the little video, the little, this is what you're going to on YouTube. Like if I, is there a way to send it where it's just the link, like on a message? Like if you're trying to, you know what I'm saying? Cause sometimes it like gives it away and then people don't click on it and all that kind of stuff. Oh, you guys know what to, I'm asking? To, Am I to, making any sense here? To try to trick people into going to something? Well, as, yeah, as like, much sense as you ever make, yeah. Pat, let's not. Well, that, that's good. Keeping it. So let's say I want to send the ghost. I love this plan and I'm happy to be a part of it. You know, let's, like that whole let's thing. Let's say you're trying to rickroll us. Is that what you're trying to do? Sure. Well, I, yeah. So like, okay. is there a way to send a quote or an internet or a YouTube, a YouTube thing? Is there a way to send that, but keep it on the DL so that you don't see the little picture yes. pop up? Yes, yeah. there, there is. So what you do is you take a pen and a post-it note and you write the YouTube link on the post-it note and you snap okay. a picture of that and you text it to somebody. Oh, so that's the way. Yeah, that's that's the way. All right. yeah. yeah this is the I, way. All right, man. Well, if actually, mind. I don't think there is a way to. No, in this hyper-connected world of thumbnails and previews and short attention spans, everyone yeah. wants the thumbnail so they don't have to click the link. Yeah. Sorry. Yep. No, get off my lawn. I know. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, Pat, you're you're about I don't know twelve years too late. I know, but it's okay. We we still appreciate Uh, you. We we only do what we can do. Yeah. Question number one: What is your favorite Christmas movie, ghost or creature? Dude, this Uh, is. I've been thinking about this. Unfair. (laughs) Here's what I've settled on. I'm going to say it before anyone else can take it. Yeah, you're probably taking mine, aren't you? I'm going to take Clarence from It's Wonderful Life. Oh, that's a good one. Nice. Okay, that was not mine. Very that, nice. That's a really good one, though. Made by honorable mentions list. Okay. I mean, some of that stuff with Tom Sawyer and the, I mean, that's just, those bits are just funny and they're timeless. That is good. That is a really good one. Christmas ghost. So I think I've spoken before about my love for the story of Christmas Carol. So I could go on about the different people who've played different ghosts in a Christmas Carol, but I think I landed on my favorite. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A cab driver ghost of Christmas past from Scrooged. Mm -hmm. Attaboy Frankie Angel. (laughs) What floor? Yeah. Of, I mean, and I, I, at one point I was going to say all the ghosts of Christmas, whatever from Scrooge, yeah, because, yeah. well, then you get Carol Kane. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. just, oh God, but no, the cab driver. And then you, you, you threw creature in there, which sort of messed with me mm-hmm. because well, gremlins is a Christmas movie. That's true. And Gizmo is pretty cool. That's true. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I had trouble with this one, but that's where I'm going to, I will stop now. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I wanted to leave that open in case somebody wanted to choose the Krampus or they wanted to choose, it, I don't know, something like. Hey, by the way, since you just mentioned Christmas movie, 
I have a, a clip I want to play for you guys. I'm going to see mm. if this works from my phone. Okay. Ooh. Reason only. This is, Settle something. Can you guys hear this? Yeah. And for all. This is Bruce Willis. Now, please listen very carefully. Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. I did this rose for one. So there we go. Uh-huh. I don't know. I don't know. I, He's the, just the actor an actor. Of, he yeah. said the words. Yeah, I think I, we'd have to talk to a writer and a director to get the the purpose behind the script and the intention of choosing that time of year. I'm I'm saying too, like Harrison Ford thought Han Solo should have been killed off a lot sooner. Right. I mean, so I mean, you know, what do they know? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. <sighs> anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Back to Christmas ghosts. I mean, I I don't know. I don't know if you can trust the judgment of a guy for whom the same thing happened to the same guy multiple times. Yeah. So I don't know. That's why. They, that's how they've ruined the character of John McClane. Mm-hmm. What the fourth and fifth movies? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like the the fourth one was was somewhat enjoyable because of the threat of technology, yeah. but. Mm. But you're putting this character in a position where they're facing one incredibly coincidental odds that he's the one that keeps on getting in the crosshairs of all these things. You know, it's not like Mission Impossible where it's like, that's your job. Right. That's why Two. three was so brilliant. Oh yeah. Two. Was because it's 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 Hans Gruber's brother. It, he's coming yeah. after him. Like it all makes sense. It's not so contrived that you're like, oh, for the love of God. Yeah. Well, that's the thing because you know you're also putting this character in a position where, sorry, no human is ever going to survive. Right. Ever. Yeah. Especially the fifth one when they, when he has to go to Chernobyl. Oh yeah, I forgot about that with the helicopter. Like, like and the, you, oh, God, you've now yeah. taking this character and you've made him invulnerable to all mortal danger die hard five the one where he kills god so, yeah. <laughs> what does god need with a yippee kaye i don't know anyway die hard four it's... the one with the whales nine <laughs> <sighs> uh, before christmas favorite ghost okay. right yeah pat That's gave right. some What's time your... there pat What's your favorite oh, christmas boy. ghost spirit okay. animal uh, creature i I was, uh, you know, I was trying to think, is there a dog in Die Hard? I'm not sure. I was, I don't think there's any pet or any of that kind of stuff. I mean, some um, of those party well, goers. Wasn't there a Woof. church mouse in Scrooge? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So here's what, here's where I'm going to go. Can't you just I'm staple the go, antlers on? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go with uh, watching the Christmas Carol. And I, I certainly don't have, you know, the knowledge base bow that you have. I mean, it's, it's, I've, I've talked to you about it and I mean, it's fascinating. I love how you make a study of the different versions of, of a Christmas Carol. I gotta be honest. I, I get really spooked by the ghosts in a Christmas Carol, especially the ghosts of Christmas present. Okay. For mm-hmm. some, just how like the quick aging and I just really, that one sticks with me. Like that one really, it freaks me out and just, how suddenly you're in this setting and it's warm and happy, but it goes away so fast. So it goes away so fast. So I would, I'm just going to, 
sum total it up and say anytime there's a ghost of Christmas present in a, a Christmas carol, that one, I don't, I'll say my favorite because that's one I keep coming back to. That one just gives me the willies. Even when everything's happy and he's enjoying the feast, you just know that, you know, this, this time won't last. And uh, yeah, that's, that's where I'm going with that one. I just, you know, the big guy with the beard, but then he's getting older. And I, I just, I'm very taken with that character. Did you ever see the 2009 Jim Carrey version of the movie, Pat? I don't believe so. So we elected to show that movie along with our reading of the play adaptation with seventh grade this year, just to help for some comprehension and clarification of things. Their version or their depiction of Christmas present is creepy Mm -hmm. towards towards the end of his time. Okay. I think very well done and very much encapsulates the fact that presence time is short, but that particular telling of the story, you know, as he's aging, you see his body growing more frail. Mm -hmm. And then as the clock chimes with every chime of the hour, he lets out like this painful moan, like it hurts him every time Mm -hmm. the clock chimes. It's causing him physical pain and he's clutching his chest and falls to the floor. And then eventually, spoiler for anyone, spoiler, spoiler, eventually he turns to a skeleton, but he's still laying on the ground laughing as a skeleton. Mm -hmm. Like it's creepy as can be, but it's really well done. Well, and that whole, that whole version of that movie takes a whole different look at a lot of things. Um, the fact that it's all Jim Carrey in a, in many ways. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting choice. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, it's very faithful, I think, to the original novella. Oh, yeah. Which is one of the things I really like about it is they went back to the, Zemeckis went back to the original original story and tried to adapt what he could out of the original story and, and kind of bring it back to its origins. Oh, cool. Oh, I, I would recommend watching it, Pat. I think the whole thing, most of it is is really good. There are parts where I'm like, eh, I don't know what this is all about. What do you think mm-hmm. of that style of uncanny valley animation that turns a lot of people off? I think it was done well with that movie. I do, um, too. I love it. I watch it every year, but I know a Several people, even in my own family, that but do I feel not like, with, like that style and can't do it. With Polar Express, I don't think they had it figured out quite right. Yeah, I agree I with that. I feel like they were close with Polar Express, but I feel like the technology... What year did Polar Express come out? The, the technology seemed to be a little more... 2004. Yeah, so what, five years technology advanced enough where they could get the facial features yep animated in a way that were just so much more detailed i think yeah that's but, some of the biggest jumps in animation in general we've seen facial features and the other one was always water yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. water always looked weird um but yeah i would i would I would recommend the Jim Carrey version. I think, like I said, it okay. it just does a, a great job of sticking to, to the uh, to the original novella. 
Very cool. Very cool. I'll have to check that one out. And ignorance and want are creepy. Yeah. As well, they should be. But anyway, right. we're here for Christmas. Nightmare it's Before Christmas. Christmas. What was the movie again? It'll be almost Christmas by the time we're done with this thing. I mean, it was just Christmas. It, it was. It might be the next Christmas. But when the will then be Christmas. now, John? Who knows? Because <laughs> even when then is now, you lose. That's true. <laughs> so, John, what, what's your choice? My choice for this one, I was I was kind of going back and forth on the Ghost of Christmas past from Muppet Christmas Carol. Uh, or, and they're all going to be from Muppet Christmas Carol, that one or Marley and Marley. And I think I have to yeah. go Marley and Marley. Marley and Marley's that pretty good. Hard, yeah. Which that I, number is really good. I didn't realize this. That made a profound impact on my daughter, who is now 13. She is terrified of that part of the movie, even though she's older now and hmm. like she's watched other scary movies, everything else. We tried to watch that when she was little, and she hates that song because she got so scared when we tried to watch it. And I, I didn't think it was that scary. I was like, come on, you're what, six years old, seven years old, whatever it was? Like, you should be old enough to, to handle this. And nope, apparently not. So we actually started the movie. We had to stop it about halfway through the Marley and Marley song. And then I just, I finished it myself later. But yeah. And then she's seen it since then, but she cannot stand that part of that movie. Hmm. So, yeah. But yeah, I think I have to go with Jacob and Robert Marley. Yep. Question number two. What is your favorite Christmas song? This is an evil question. Yes. Anything off the Sinatra Christmas album? Mm-hmm. Yes. That's that a, is a that's a that is a solid answer. I'm going to go with the "Peace on Earth, Little Drummer Boy" by Bing Crosby and David Bowie. Nice. That's a good one. Christmas Eve in Sarajevo, the mm-hmm. Trans Siberian Orchestra. Mm. Okay, that's a great one. I well, I'm going to pull a me and add extra slots to the category. Don't hurt yourself. I stretched. Don't okay. worry. All right. Have yourself a merry little Christmas, as sung by Judy Garland in Meet Me in St. Louis. I also really, really like Silent Night in many of the performances of it. I just love that song. John Denver and the Muppets is great. Pat, you'll appreciate this. I started my car the other morning and yeah. my phone connected to the Bluetooth and the and the the Frank Sinatra one kicked on. Frank Sinatra cool. singing Silent Night kicked on. It's and it's a very quiet, peaceful opening to that song. I mean the whole song, he's older when he recorded it. You can hear it in his voice. It was just a very calm, peaceful moment listening to that. But Silent Night is one of my favorites, if not my favorite Christmas carol. And then the other song that just over the last couple of years, I've really started to appreciate is the little drummer boy. Yeah. There's a great I, version of it recorded by sister Hazel. Oh, really? yes. I heard that the other day. Yeah. Like they put their own little country flair, country rock flavor into it, but it's still really well done. That and their version of Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. 
I mean, I love all Christmas music, but yeah, those 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 three tunes, "Have Yourself," "Silent Night," and "Little Drummer Boy." Yeah, "Little Drummer Boy" is is pretty amazing. And I'll I'll be honest, what what really kind of kicked it up is when they use it in the West Wing. Oh yeah, yeah. you remember? Mm -hmm. You you guys all know that the episode, but Mm -hmm. I mean, when they when they use that, I. Mm-hmm. It's powerful, yes. and the way that it shows honor to and it's Chelsea's Dale. Yep. I thought that yeah. was the name of it, but I had to look. Yeah, yeah. It, it it's that really. Anytime I hear that song, that really elevated that. That uh, was in the so first much. season. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Toby, we can't just give everyone a military funeral just because. Yeah, but we should. Uh, that that's some of the best right yes yeah, but we should, but we yes, should. But we and the and i mean the way that that oh what was his name that played toby richard schiff yeah. richard schiff thank you the way he delivers i mean and okay so let's cue the next four hours to talk about how awesome the west wing was Man. but the way he the, the delivery of that line was just amazing so yeah i i love the little drummer boy i i really love the first noel i like singing it i love hearing sinatra sing it it's amazing like i said everything off that album but you know, the first Noel, the Harry Connick, when my heart finds Christmas, I'm sure he has a bunch of albums, but like that, that new Orleans kind of mm-hmm. I love who doesn't love new Orleans music. Right. But I must've been old Santa Claus, Santa Claus, Santa Claus. It must've been old. Yeah. I mean, that's just, you know, with a little boogie woogie thing going on. Oh, I love that. And then for the outside choice, I'm going to throw in Eric. It's the Whitaker the Luke's Arumaque. Oh yeah. And I didn't even know that it was like a Christmas tune. And John, I know you are well familiar with Eric Whitaker's work because uh, you know, Hey, we want to do the virtual choir like they did. And then oh, yeah. little many, did we know many hours. And then, and then little did we know that was going to be how band orchestra and choir people survived during, during remote thing. But no, seriously, that Whitaker Luke's Arumaque. I, I just can't stop listening to that song. And I didn't even know that it was like, a, like, associated with Christmas until like I read about it, but I, I really, I greatly enjoy that one as well. So a bit of a side question for Pat on this one. Oh no. Is there one you like to play um, or, or in your case, maybe have your groups play. Maybe that's the better question these days. Yeah. So I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I love playing Noel you know, cause on a trumpet, you can really lay in, da, 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 you know, da, 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 I'm singing it too high. Sorry about that. I, I should have started in a lower octave, but that part of the first Noel and there's a clip Maynard Ferguson, the Maynard Ferguson band did that back in the sixties. The and it was called Christmas for the moderns or mm. it, it kind of had a different title, but it was a medley of Christmas tunes. And he, he plays that up on a, like an altissimo trumpet line. And he plays that, that lick from the first Noel. And I, I just think that feels good to lock into that one. It's always fun to play. Hark the Herald Angels Sing is a fun one to play. Go Telling on the Mountain is fun. I, 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 I'm a simple person. I like playing melodies with the trumpet, and I, I like just anything you can just really kind of lay it out there on, and, and, and I, like, I like doing those. So, You know who does it great, Go Tell It on the Mountain, and actually has a really great Christmas album? Garth Brooks. Oh, nice. There he's got a, it's just got a swing it, it, you know, not quite the new Orleans beat you were talking about earlier, but it's got a swinging mm-hmm. beat to it. 
He does awesome. a good home for the holiday. It's just a really great album. That's awesome. The other uh, version of Little Drummer Boy that I really like comes from season three of the Dick Van Dyke Show. They have an episode, and I think it's episode 12 of season three, and it's the TV show that the main character works for, the Alan Brady show. Mm-hmm. They do a, a, like a Christmas special. And the little boy that played Dick Van Dyke's Mary Tyler Moore's son, character name is Richie Petrie. The actor's name is Larry Matthews. And he does a little solo version of the little drummer boy. And it's just, it's so sweet and so sincere. And I absolutely love it. I have seen a lot of that show. I do not recall that. I'm going to have to try to track that down. I love that show. That is one. I do too. It's so good. I just don't remember that episode. Top five favorite TV sitcoms, at least, if not TV shows. I used to watch it when it was on, you know, when I was on Nick at night, it was all the time. They're all free on uh, Tubi right now. Nice. So I'm doing another, I don't know how many times I've done a rewatch of that show. But anywho. Final question. Question number three. What is your favorite Christmas food or treat? (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) I mean, this is just with this group. That is just not. I know. I apologize. It's not right. I do have a quick question for you because this this is a this is a contentious question in in our house Um, for Christmas lunch or dinner, however you do it, what is the, and, and I, I say this knowing that there are non-meat eaters in the room, what is the mm-hmm. main, What is the protein of choice? What, what's the protein of choice in your Christmas meal? Meat. Red meat. Okay. <laughs> Tenderloin for us usually. Okay. Although I hear there's discussion this year. I'm not part of the discussion, but it's okay. happening All right. around me. But I'm a I'm a big just give me a big old tenderloin and okay yeah depends on where we go. Mm-hmm. One family will do usually do a tenderloin. The other family will usually do a ham. Okay. Mm-hmm. Either way, it's delicious. Mm-hmm. Okay. But not as delicious as a portobello mushroom. Am I right, Pat? Nothing is delicious as a portobello mushroom. Monica Bellucci in the Matrix Revolutions. How does that relate to your Christmas dinner? Pat? What's happening now? Well, I'm sorry. Are we still recording, guys? Hang on a second. I'm sorry. Hang on. I I don't. That's extraordinary. What would you like to do next? Oh, 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 oh. let me answer that. So, you know, nothing, nothing is as delicious as a portobello mushroom. In my opinion, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. We, every Christmas day, we would Wait, go. Do you think you can my... sidestep the fact you just brought up Monica Bellucci while we were talking about eating Christmas meals? Hey, you know what I'm saying? When my heart finds Christmas, what I'm saying here. Okay. What I'm saying is that we would go for the, my dad's side of the family, the Italian side of the family on Christmas day. And my great aunt using the same way that my great grandmother taught her would hand make all the ravioli, uh, ravioli and turtle and all that for months leading up to it. And we would eat 
It was it was just it was basically just an Italian an ethnic Italian experience, full immersion with the family and you know, just amazing times and memories. What I'm saying, man, is like the, the thing that triggers Christmas is like any kind of like ravioli or tortellini, uh, tortellacci or uh, amazing. So that's what I think of. I don't, whatever goes in it, sometimes it's a cheese and mushroom or meat, whatever you choose to fill in there. But boy, boy, my gosh, that was, that's like the go-to that, that hits the spot with the Christmas deal. Okay. For Pat. Yeah, because the de- the debate apparently is we know several people that do turkey as their Christmas protein, but in in our family it is there is a a strong strong desire for it to be ham, and I'm totally fine with that. A, a good Christmas ham is really? always is always fun. So we always do the turkey for Thanksgiving and the ham for Christmas, and yeah, and a little honey baked, a little oh, yeah. spiral, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tur- turkey is what Scrooge sent over to the Cratchit's house. That's it's, what I'm saying. Like, I, I think right turkey on. is turkey is maybe a more traditionally British Christmas meal. But to which my daughter replied, "Well, since when have they ever been right?" Oh, oh, oh. wow! <laughs> Damn! Wow. Holy cow! Has, yeah. Has 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 your daughter been hanging out with the Irish lately? Is that right. a, what's going on there? Apparently, like man. She just set the sun on the British Empire. That's that was harsh. <laughs> the harp without the crown and the harp without the yeah, the green huh? harp oh, yeah. flag hanging out there. Wow, there yeah. we go. Yeah, it was. It's, yeah. it's really funny that you mentioned that because, like, I don't remember ever having turkey or ham or any of that. Like, I'm sure there were meats out mm-hmm. with the with the with the family, but yeah, it's all I remember is just like ridiculous amounts of like pastas and all that kind of stuff. Huh. Okay. Well, I, I, growing I, you know, up, we were not an Italian family, so we didn't do the pasta thing. But well, that's right. your loss. I know. I am. Um, I will say, Donna's family is all of it. There's a tenderloin. There's turkey, and there's homemade tortellacci in there a soup and yep. in sauce baked. I mean, yep. it's yeah. it's everywhere. There's a there's a <laughs> ten, you, so basically you have the John Madden tender turlacci. I do. Okay, and I have all of it. <laughs> I. I would be willing to bet that uh, I would be willing to bet that there was all the meats and all that was out too. It's just what I ended up going to, but I'm going to have to ask my family, Hey, what did we do when we weren't doing, you know, I, cause I know I've seen people do Turkey and ham and yeah. I don't know. Okay. I probably one of my favorites guy, we have a ridiculous amount of cookies at Christmas time. So uh, I think probably my favorite of all the different cookies are my wife makes these chow mein noodle haystacks with a little dollop of chocolate on top of them. Those are are my absolute favorite. This is a whole other category. Indeed. Well, the question question was food slash treat. Question did include treat. Yeah. Because I did write down my my mom tends to make make, toffee bars. Okay. My my dad would make at least a dozen different types of cookies at uh, at Christmas time, boxes, boxes stacked upon boxes, stacked upon boxes. My favorite Christmas cookie would probably be, and I'm, I'm going to assume that it's Christmas based. It may not be. I've never done the research, but a nice pizzelle with a little bit of powdered sugar mm. sprinkled on top of it. Mm-hmm. I, I have a pizzelle maker, which when time allows, I love to just, knock out a batch of, of cookies. The problem is problem. Um, 
there's so many that one batch or one uh, recipe will make like one recipe recipe will make anywhere from like maybe 70 to 90 cookies, which isn't bad. Well, you could always share them with your friends at district office. It's just so time consuming because you want to make them as fresh as possible. So it, it, it takes, um, anyway, it takes a very long time to get through all the batter if you wanted to make it as, as fresh as possible, but Christmas cookies, man. Katie's getting ready to go to her in a couple of weeks, her annual cousin cookie baking day. She, she and her cousins oh. all get together for the day and they just spend the day making cookies. That sounds yeah. wonderful. It's the thing cookies. that dreams are made of. Yeah. In fact, I think it's this coming Sunday. I think we should show up. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, feel free to drive on out. Okay. I, yeah. Gingerbread cookies are amazing. I'm just saying. Gingerbread cookies are absolutely amazing. Yes. Chocolate crinkles are good. Yeah. Spritz. Got to get a good spritz gun. Yeah. I, I feel like every year I turn pre-diabetic around December 23rd. Mm-hmm. And then I go full on type four by the time it's December 26th. Yeah. No, tis tis the reason for the season. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Now I'm just hungry. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go make a stop motion movie about cookies. Yeah, because that won't make you hungry. Yeah, right. <laughs> then I, then I have patience for it. It's a stop motion movie about cookies and scotch. Then we'll have some patience. Mm, for it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Just remember, you can only eat one crumb of a cookie in each frame, or it won't look right. Oh, no. oh rum balls. Oh, yeah. I had a friend of mine one year. She made a whole bunch of rum balls, and she just tried to guesstimate Uh-oh. how much rum she should put in. Okay, I'm going to go with too many. The answer too ended much. up being too much rum. Yeah, well. <laughs> they were delicious, mind you, but they also had too much rum in them, and... One was not okay after too many of those. <laughs> yeah. That's the high octane stuff you got right there. Damn, they were good. And what a Merry Christmas it was. Mm-hmm. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. This has been the wrap up of our, for the most part of our good eaten month. We have a very special episode that's coming in just a few days where we're going to cover 1973's enter the dragon. But this is our last mm-hmm. official 1993 movie. So, after this episode and after Enter the Dragon, it will be the new year and we'll be marching right on into 1994. So if you're happy joining new year, us, everyone. Yeah. Happy, happy new, year. new year. So thank you for joining us this year. As you head on to 1994 with us, our January theme is law and order. And our Patreon episode is Seven Samurai from 1954. Patreon short is Stephen King's The Stand from 1994. And then our regular episodes are Naked Gun 33 and a Third, Beverly Hills Cop 3, The Getaway, The Chase, and Wyatt Earp. So that's what we got coming up in January. Impressive array. It's an impressive array. It's going to be a lot of fun. Jeff, Bo, Pat, thank you for being here. Thanks, thank John. you, John. Thank you, John. Thanks, guys. This was fun. 
Happy holidays to all of our listeners and a happy new year yes. to all of our listeners. Thanks for coming, coming back again and again and again. Absolutely. All right, everybody, be excellent to each other. Have a wonderful, wonderful new year. We'll see you back here next time.